Welcome to Alabama AgCast, a weekly conversation about news and issues affecting Alabama farmers and forest landowners. Alabama AgCast is produced by the Alabama Farmers Federation. Hey, everybody. Thank you all for joining us today on this week's episode of the AgCast. I'm Colton Christian, director of the dairy division over the uh, Alabama Farmers Federation, and today we are thankful to be joined by Michaela Sanders from Blue Ribbon Dairy in Tallahassee, Alabama. And uh, we just want to take this time to highlight uh, the dairy industry and what she's doing. And uh, Michaela, she serves as our vice chairman on the state committee. And again, we're so thankful, Michaela, for having you on today. And thank you for your time. Glad to be here, Colton. So just to uh, ask you a few questions, we'll just get right into it. Just tell us about Blue Ribbon Dairy and, and how it all got started for you. All right, so I am a fourth-generation dairy farmer, and well, we started Blue Ribbon Dairy when we opened, reopened our doors in November of 2017. We were formerly known as Lot Farm or Lot Dairy Farm by my grandfather, C.D. Lot, and we had a um, a delay from the time where he went out of the dairy business to when we started back up. So it was about a 12-year delay in that no, there was no cows being milked on our farm. Um, I went to Auburn and got an animal science degree, and I was fortunate enough to be able to get a job with a milk promotion company, and I traveled the state, and then I went to Kentucky and traveled and talked to kids about the importance of milk. And it was there that I learned the disconnection of the consumer from the farmer. And so Blue Ribbon Dairy, we process our own milk, and that's something that we had thought about for about 10 years. And um, once I moved to Kentucky, I wanted to come back home. We got serious about opening uh, my dairy, the dairy farm again and bottling our own milk and being able to provide the connection from the consumer to the producer. So Blue Ribbon Dairy was basically started on the um, foundation of letting people come to the farm, purchase milk that we uh, bottled here, and they purchased it on the farm and took it home with them. And then several months down the road, that's when we were able to get a wholesale account. But we started just for consumers. That's the main reason why we're here today is to share the ag story and promote the dairy industry to consumers. Blue Ribbon Dairy, uh, we milk on average of about 32 cows. We pasteurize our milk. Our milk is non-homogenized, so the cream still rises to the top, and uh, then we bottle it. So it's from the cow to the jug within about 24 hours. I also delivered the milk uh, in about a 35-mile radius from the farm. I think we're in about 20, 22 different stores. Right now, we're close to maximum capacity. We could take on a few other places, but we are just waiting to see what the future holds and possibly building a uh, new processing area and being able to expand to um, some other areas, do some different things. We'll just have to wait and see what comes up in the future. Okay. Well, tell us a little bit about the milk and parlor you have. That was from your granddad's original parlor, right? That's right. My grandfather milked cows until 2005 in a flat barn that was built in 1947 by his dad. Actually, my great-granddad was the first grade-A dairy in Elmore County. Um, My granddaddy, when he went out in 2005, was the last grade-A dairy in the county. And now, once again, we're the only grade-A dairy in Elmore County again. 
it's pretty neat that I can say that my great grandfather was the first in the day in the county and then we're still going along today so it's a lot of hard work but, but I'm, I'm just thankful that I have a, the foundation was built for me that I can still be able to milk in the same barn and have um, actually used the same equipment that my granddad milked with when I was growing up. Well that's really special you know you talked about some of the, the hardships and the hard work and back during your granddaddy's time there were probably thousands of dairies in the state of Alabama. Can you tell us a little bit about why the dairy industry has declined? You know as of right now if you include the vet school dairy there's 17 total dairies farm owned in the state. Um, 16 farmed on and, and the one at the vet school. So what are the biggest challenges that you see uh, that has affected the dairy industry in this way? The biggest challenge is going to be labor. And I'm, I'm sure most people know, but dairy cows, they don't ever take a day off. Um, it's a 365-day-a-year job, and these cows are going to be milked at least twice a day. Some farms even milk three times a day. I guess back in the days where people had bigger families or maybe there were brothers and sisters in on it together they could take turns if somebody needed a day off they were able to have that extra help but cow care and cow comfort is pretty important so you just don't grab somebody up off the street today and say hey you want to come and milk some cows it takes a quite a while for them to learn each cow and as the farmer you just want to make sure your girls are taken care of so you're just here but I, and I would think another thing is feed cost it's hard to grow a lot of good feed because of our weather you never know if it's going to rain or how hot it's going to be I know when I was growing up my grandfather did silage some day some years we had good crops other years we didn't have such good crops and he had to buy feed and with this day and time uh, how expensive everything is is the shipping the freight and stuff like that that's caused a lot of farmers to have to back away from what they really love because you don't really get up and milk cows twice a day if you don't really love it i would say labor and the cost of just doing business has driven other farmers to have to go out of business so do you milk the cows yourself or how does your how does your work situation look like we milk our cows twice a day. Uh, my mom helps me uh, milk cows a couple of mornings or in the afternoon whenever I need her. I've been blessed with the last, let's see, starting in July, I had a girl contact me and she milks cows in the afternoons and the two mornings a week as well to try to help me um, expand my business. We do, we do ice cream and so I hired her for afternoon help to try to do some expansion on customers but yeah I work seven days a week so well like you said you know it's 365 days and on Christmas morning I mean, the cows are waiting to be milked and so it it takes special people to to be on a dairy farm and uh, you know we definitely appreciate uh, what you do and uh, we know it's not easy so um, another thing that's not easy about the dairy industry is the regulations and things behind that and are you regulated any differently being that you bottle milk and that you make ice cream compared to a conventional dairy? Is there any difference in your inspector? Actually, there is a difference in how we're inspected being that the processing plant is its own entity and the dairy is another part. So um, in the state of Alabama, we're actually, um, the dairy farms and all of our dairy processing plants in our state 
are under the Alabama Department of Public Health. I have the same inspector on the dairy side as the uh, plant side, but she inspects the dairy on a different schedule than she does the plant. And she's the same inspector that would go to your bigger plants and inspect as well. So the dairy farming part is all the same, but then when you throw in that, that processing plant, you open up another can of worms. Sure. It's never a dull day on the farm, especially when your day starts before the sun comes up. We're Alabama Ag Credit. And while some don't get it, we do. As the local experts in rural real estate financing, we've helped farmers finance everything from homes and land to tractors and crops. Because sometimes your natural resources need financial resources. Well, what do you think is, in your personal opinion, the most important aspect of dairy farming? In other words, why, why do you do what you do? Why do I do what I do? I guess it's in my blood, Colton. <laughs> um, dairy cows are just something that I love. They're really um, unique creatures. Uh, and so I actually grew up on my grandfather's dairy farm. I got off the bus here every day um, at the dairy. And on in the summer times after first grade, I spent all summer with my grandfather's. I guess it's just I was able to grow up around the around dairy cows and had that connection and then you just get to watch a baby calf be born and you watch that calf grow up and have its own calf and start producing milk and you see that complete life cycle of how things work um, you get to provide a whole nutritious product to the consumer if there was nothing else for us to eat today or tomorrow or the next day and we had milk in our refrigerator then we could make it milk's very important for um, for our diet and so um, I'm, I'm thankful that I'm able to be able to have a farm and just supply a little bit of milk to our surrounding communities and also have consumers come here and see how things actually work on a farm. Dairy cows are pretty cool and I'm just thankful that I can be able to, um, to share that with everyone else. So a few weeks ago we had talked about on the AgCast about the boarding facility closing, and it just closed a week or two ago. So with that being said, we, we hate to lose any infrastructure in the dairy industry, but are there any positives in terms of being able to boil your own milk and being able to service the community? Is there any opportunities for you there? We're not really sure yet. Um, that's kind of a, a mystery to everyone. Um, there are other companies that have a little bit of capacity left that are bigger um, in order to take on some bottling and then there are other com other of the bigger companies that they have no capacity whatsoever so um, I've picked up a couple of stores since um, Borden has closed and then I've, I have one store that I can tell a difference in milk sales wise from there being no board and milk on the shelf within the last week or two. As of right now, I think we're just about four or five days in until um, being closed for good. And so that's kind of a little early for me to, um, to tell. Hopefully, people will realize that your smaller, more local dairies are going to be here to stay and here to provide the milk for their family. And so hopefully they will grab that gallon of Blue Ribbon Dairy milk or whatever that other local dairy may be, their milk in the grocery store and take it home with them to support that, that local family. I'm sure. That's one thing that, that we've got work to do on the federal level is 
getting buy-in from all sides on the nutritional value of milk and that that whole milk is the best option and that it's uh it's safe and nutritious and that um it, it can be something that's across all schools uh and not just certain ones and so uh, that's definitely something as we go down the road we'll definitely look at so uh, but as we talk more about Blue Ribbon Dairy, can you talk about your kind of what your your style of setup is in terms of agritourism and the kind of the, the services that, that you offer here for the public? Okay, yes. Yeah. So, um, well, the main thing that we offer uh, here at Blue Ribbon Dairy is we allow people to visit seven days a week, 365 days a year. As a matter of fact, Christmas Day last year um, was one of our biggest days of having people show up in the afternoon to bottle feed calves um, for the last quarter of the um, of the year. So that was pretty um, that was pretty powerful to have people come to our dairy on Christmas Day afternoon to spend time with us and you know and their families come out here and bottle feed calves. I mean, we're here. We say, come on. Um, so we allow people to come and there's no charge to visit our farm. There's no charge to bottle feed calves, watch us milk cows. Um, we have pony rides four days a week and we do have a charge for that. We have been able to earlier this year build a pole barn to have our pony rides underneath and we have some picnic tables set up for people to enjoy their ice cream underneath when they come by it at the store on the farm. Uh, birthday parties uh, we have coming up. A school's coming to have a little retirement party for someone here. Just whatever people uh, want to use our pole barn for, we allow them to just come on out to the farm and make themselves at home. I have a farm store where we sell our milk and our ice cream. So we make homemade ice cream here um, as well. We have about 20, 22 different flavors depending on the season. Uh, we do field trips. Um, you have anywhere from private school, public school, um, homeschool groups. Or, you know, you have grandparents or have a family reunion or something, and they call and say, hey, we're going to come on and bring a whole bunch of people. We're open to anything and everything here, and we hope that we are able to continue to grow on the agritourism side of things in the next couple of years. We just wait and see. That's, that's how um, things work out around here. We're open 365 days a year to come get milk ice cream, watch, milk, watch us milk the cows, and then bottle feed the calves. Well, that's something very unique. You don't always hear about the opportunities like that, especially in the dairy industry. And I mean, what better way to get fired up than to come spend a day on dairy, play with some calves, and, and then get you some ice cream when you're done. And so that's very unique. And uh, I know that for myself, I'm definitely um, a big fan of Blue Ribbon Dairy's ice cream. It's some of the best I've ever had. We'll definitely be getting me some today before we leave. So right before we wrap up, just you've mentioned family a few times and, you know, being in a dairy family you have to rely on a lot so looking into the future what do you Michaela Sanders want to leave on for for your family in the future what legacy do you want to to leave my husband and I Brandon we have a three-year-old Claire Jane and um, as of today she loves cows I hope that we will be able to be self-sustainable and she will be able to carry on the bourbon dairy if she wants to and Hopefully, by the time that she gets to the age of being able to participate a bunch, then maybe other dairy products might interest her, and we could introduce other products. So right now we have milk and ice cream, and then 
you know you never know what you might have for yogurt or different kind of cheeses and things like that so i just want to make sure she has a solid foundation and that she has enough land in order to expand in order to be able to provide for her family and for the um, future families we do our best around here in order to take care of what the lord has given us so far and hopefully when we have neighboring land that's around us when they um, decide to sell then we're able to buy other land around us in order to for claire jane to expand the business well michaela we appreciate your time and and we appreciate you serving on the committee and and your leadership there and um, we're just very thankful to have to have you and, and what you do for the dairy industry in alabama and if there's anything that we can do for you please reach out and let us know and we just look forward to watching you grow and your family grow and uh, look forward to seeing what's next for you well thank you Colton. i'm glad that you came out today i've enjoyed it and now your weekly ag cash wrap-up Hello everybody, this is William Green, Wildlife Division Director for the Alabama Farmers Federation. Albeit dry, this change in weather marks the beginning of the long-awaited deer season, a favorite time of year for many within our organization. As I've done over the last few years, I'd like to encourage all of our listeners to make safety a top priority this season. Last week, the Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources announced that there were zero fatalities due to firearm or tree stand accidents during last year's hunting season. While that may not mean much to you on the first listen, I'd like to stress how important that actually is. This is the first time since the state began tracking hunting-related accidents in 1973 that there were zero fatalities. However, there were still some accidents reported. Mostly due to the improper handling of firearms, they serve as a reminder to take safety seriously. This fall, do your loved ones a favor and stay safe. Wear a safety harness when in an elevated tree stand and always control the direction of your muzzle when handling a firearm. Remember, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Alabama AgCast is sponsored by our friends at Alabama AgCredit. Give them a call for all your farm and land financing needs. For more information about today's conversation, check out the show notes or visit alphafarmers.org slash agcast. Be sure to follow Alabama Farmers Federation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next week for another timely conversation from Alabama AgCast.